two, but anyway, the duet, the ensemble, or whatever they are. The ladies were playing. Turn to Ephesians, please. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Now let's start reading in verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. You know the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. You may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins good about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to stand, able to quench the fire darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for this afternoon. Thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you for this book of Ephesians and for the instruction here with regard to the Christian armor. And Lord, this afternoon as we seek to once again open up your word and seek to understand its truth, I do pray that you go before us. God, you would give us understanding hearts and receptive minds and that, Father God, you would just guide our time this afternoon that we might learn from you. Give me wisdom, I pray, from on high. Lord God, I might have clarity of thought. And Lord, that I might be able to share clearly what it is that your word teaches us. You know, Father God, this afternoon, time is always a tough time. And do pray that, Lord, you give us attentiveness to your word. And give us wisdom, we pray, this afternoon. Guide our time, we pray. And we'll be sure to give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. As we've said many times in this passage in Ephesians chapter 6, Christianity is a warfare. You and I are engaged in hand-to-hand -hand combat as believers. We're engaged in a struggle for our testimony and for the glory of God. And you and I will only be able to successfully withstand in the evil day, as verse 13 challenges us to do, if we avail ourselves of God's armor. Now, Paul mentions six pieces of armor in this passage, and we saw the first three of these last week. And today we're going to consider the next two items. Then next week, Lord willing, we'll look at the last item of the armor. You and I have seen so far the girdle of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel. And these items, these three first items of the armor, are foundational items they're to be worn, if you like, all the time. It's to do with what you and I believe, that you and I know what we believe, and you and I, uh, uh, we put on the bell of truth, and therefore we know what we believe, and we have the blessed plate of righteousness that we live what we believe, and then we have the combat boots of the gospel, and we defend and share what we believe. These things are foundational. But there are aspects of the Christian armor 
that we take up from situation to situation as the moment demands it. Think about those demanding moments of the spiritual warfare that you and I face from time to time when a flood of depression overwhelms us or discouragement flows over us or the feeling of a, a black cloud is hanging over us when a relatively insignificant thing gets blown out of proportion. Times when you and I are given an opportunity to speak to someone about the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for us. Times when opposition comes against us or there's a sense of panic and helplessness that overflows us. Or times that, like Stephen found himself persecuted for the faith, which we saw this morning. It's those times and those critical moments that we need to take the shield of faith and ensure that we have on the helmet of salvation. And so I want you to notice with me, first of all, this afternoon, that you and I are told to take the shield of faith here in verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you should be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. It starts out, he says, above all. Now, the phrase above all here is, does not mean that this is a point of importance, that somehow there's more value added to the next set of armor pieces that we need. These are not more important. These are not more valuable than the previous three. That's not what this word above all means. It's not saying that what we're about to see is more important. If you don't get the girdle on, you don't get the breastplate on, you don't get the shoes on, it doesn't matter. As long as you've got the shield and you've got the sword uh, and the helmet, you're okay. That's not what it means. The word over here, uh, above all here, is the word over. And it's the idea that as a soldier would hold up his shield to defend himself, it covers the other parts of the armor. It's over the armor. It speaks of protection over every part of the body. The shield can be turned in every direction to protect the soldier in battle. And the idea is that the Roman soldier covered or protected the other parts of his armor with his shield. And so faith has a similar importance in the life of the believer. So what's the shield here that Paul's talking about? As you look at a Roman soldier, what's he observing here? What's he thinking here? Well, the Roman soldier had two kinds of shields. He had a small round shield that he would carry in the midst of a battle. This was for hand-to-hand -hand combat. But it was important for him to have some maneuverability in the battle. And there was a large oblong shield that were used as they advance against a city, advance against a, a force ahead of them. It's the second shield that Paul refers to here in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 16. It was about 1.3 to 2 meters in length and around 0.6 meters wide. And it covered the Roman soldier's body completely. So that when a Roman soldier advanced into battle, they would advance in rows. And as they came forward towards the enemy, the enemy would be faced with a wall of shields uh, in front of them. These two meter high shields and the soldiers would link them together and there was no gap between each shield and each soldier. And they would go forward with a wall. In fact, it was so much so that the second tier of soldiers 
could hold up the shield and they could form a, a, a ceiling on their parade as well and they would have soldiers hold out their shields to the side. And so as they move forward, they move forward protected by the shields. That's what these shields were for. It's the shield that he's talking about here. And this was an important part of the Roman soldier's armor as it was vital in dealing with the fiery darts of the enemy, which Paul mentions here in verse 16. He says, wherewith you should be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. You know, in ancient warfare, these fiery darts were launched in great numbers at the beginning of an attack. So if you were besieging a city or whatever it might be, in the first onslaught of the attack, you would fire these fiery darts. You would dip them in some substance that would catch on fire. You would set them on fire. And then they would be fired in great uh, hordes of these fiery darts we fired towards the enemy. The idea was not only to injure the enemy, but to shoot at him at all sides with massive numbers of these fiery darts as to confuse the enemy and panic the enemy because there was so much uh, going on, particularly as you could hear these coming through the air and you could see the flames coming off the, uh, off the darts. It would be somewhat scary, and the idea was to panic the opposition. And these shields that the Roman soldiers had were designed to defend them against that kind of attack. As I said, they would link the shields together to form a wall of protection from the fiery darts of the enemy. Now, Paul links faith with this kind of shield. He says, above all, taking the shield of Faith. Faith is represented by this shield. And the imagery is that faith is the shield that protects us from the fiery darts of the wicked one. Those persistent efforts by the devil and his forces to weaken us through fear and unbelief. Our faith protects us and is indispensable in our security. In Hebrews 10 and verse 38, it says, Now the just shall live by faith. It's our faith that strengthens us. It's our faith that encourages us. It's our faith that keeps us going on. And as Pastor Kendall was preaching this morning about Stephen, he kept talking about Stephen's faith and how that his faith encouraged him and his faith in God enabled him and his faith in the Lord helped him to withstand the onslaught and to go through the persecution. And it was so apt this morning as he talked about that because that's what we're talking about here. It's that faith in God, the faith that you and I have in God that gives you and I confidence in each day. It's our faith that enables us to deal with those circumstances we face that when things are discouraging, when things are disappointing, when things are against us, it's our faith in God that enables you and I to win the victory. The just shall live by faith. Our dependence on God and our dependence on his word enables you and I to defend ourselves against the onslaughts of the wicked. Now, the Roman shield was a, an ingenious device by which the blows and the arrows might be paired off. Their shields were not flat. Their shields had a bit of a bend in them. And the idea was that as the, as the arrow would come, it would be paired off, for the most part, from the shield. It's said, too, that what they would do is they would cover them with leather 
and they would soak the shield in water so that when they went first on sort of the battle, those fiery darts would come, they'd be quenched by the water that was soaked up in the leather on the shield. These were ingenious uh, pieces of equipment designed to uh, repel those onslaughts, particularly of those fiery darts. It could be made to protect the head or the heart or be thrown behind them to protect their back. As long as the soldier had his shield, he felt secure. And the point here is that as long as you and I have faith in God, we are safe. As long as you and I actually do have confidence that the Lord knows best, you and I will be able to face whatever the enemy throws at us. It's our faith in God that sees us through. It's our faith in God that helps us through the difficult times. It's our faith in God that helps us through the hardships of life. Our faith in God and the doctors of faith come to our aid in every attack that is made. No matter where it comes from. That's why it's so important that you and I put on the girdle of truth that we know what we believe. That we have on the breastplate of righteousness that we live what we believe. We have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel so that we might share and defend what we believe. So that the times when the attacks from the enemy come, you and I can hold forth our faith. We know what we believe. We're standing up for what we believe. We can hold forth our faith as a defense against the enemy. No matter what discouragement I throw away, say God is on the throne. No matter what disappointment might come our way, God is on the throne. No matter what darkness we might find, God is on the throne. No matter what storm we might be in the midst of, God is on the throne. We believe in him. We can rest with confidence in God because of our faith. Our shield against Satan's arrows is, a, is, the kind of, is this kind of faith, faith that can be trusted, or rather faith that God can be trusted. Now, what do you notice when you read this phrase? When Paul speaks of the shield, he does not say the shield of the faith. He says, above all, taking the shield of faith, not the shield of the faith as if he was referring to some specific teaching of Christianity, although that's certainly in view because our faith in God is dependent upon what we believe. If we don't believe God is omnipotent, if we don't believe God is omniscient, if we don't believe that God is almighty, if we don't believe that God, if our confidence in God is not sure, then you and I will not be able to withstand but in the context of what Paul's saying here, he's not talking about the faith. Because he's already included that in his reference to truth as the Christian's girdle or the Christian's belt. Okay? Back prior to that, in verse 14, stand therefore having your loins good about with truth. That's the faith. That we know what we believe. And so it's not a specific doctrinal matter that he's talking about here in this matter of the faith. This has a more general meaning of confidence in God. Because we know God, because we know his word, 
and we know what we believe, we have confidence in our God. Our shield against sin's arrows is this kind of faith, a faith in God. It's knowing that when God says, for instance, in Jude 1.24, that he is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before his presence, the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, that he means it. It's a faith that believes that what God says is true. That we believe that God is the God of all comfort, that we believe that God is the God who gives you and I the all-sufficient grace, that we have a God who supplies all of our needs according to his riches in glory, that we have a God who will give us the victory, that we have a God who indeed can be trusted, to be tended upon, dependent upon, that we can rely upon, that in the midst of everything we can look unto him, we can look steadfastly upon the Lord in the midst of the darkest trial, knowing that he is still on the throne and he indeed will give the victory. The faith being talked about here. It means that you and I have confidence in God. We do not need to fear when we advance in the battle. God will go with us and will give the victory. You know, the devil may hurl at you and I fiery darts, the fiery darts of evil thoughts, of evil feelings, of imaginations, of fears, of lies. But our faith in God and our faith in his word will protect us. Faith turns back the fears and the attacks of the enemy. See, you and I are not just saved by faith, but you and I have to live by faith. The Bible tells us it's not a faith and it is sin. Faith is such an important thing for you and I. We need a living, daily faith in God. We need a dependence upon him. We need to believe that God is able to deliver us. Because faith turns back the fears. Faith turns back the attacks of the enemy. You and I can stand confidently in this world knowing with a certainty that God is true to his word and that his word is true. That's our faith. We believe that God is all that he says he is and we believe that God will do all that God says he will do. In 1 John it says, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Faith is the victory. You know, it's not by might, nor by power, but by his spirit, saith the Lord. We don't win the victory by our own strength. We don't win the victory of the battle by you and I somehow stirring up within us the, the power to have the victory. Faith is the victory, beloved. As you and I day by day trust in the Lord and we look unto him, it's that faith that gives us the victory. It's our faith in God that gives us strength in the midst of this wicked generation. And you and I will only be able to take the stand of faith if we have the other piece of armor on. 
If you and I don't know what we believe, and you and I are not seeking to live what we believe, and you and I are not going forth with the gospel of Jesus Christ to declare what we believe, then you and I will not have the faith to stand. You know, there's a, the reason why many believers are defeated is because they do not have a confidence in their God. They actually don't believe that God can do the impossible. They actually don't believe that God can win the victory. They actually don't believe that God is in charge, that God's in control. But when you and I study God's Word, and you and I begin to understand the God of the Word, then you and I begin to realize that what we have is an almighty, all-powerful God who knows all things, who is able to do all things, who can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you and I could ever ask or think. He is an almighty, all-powerful God, and you and I, by faith, can have the victory day by day. You know, that's wonderful. You and I don't get the victory because of who we are. We don't get the victory because somehow I'm a spiritual giant and you're a spiritual giant and therefore we have the victory. We have the victory because we have a great God. Isn't that the Old Testament? Daniel and the lion's den. <laughs> Why did Daniel survive the lion? Because Daniel was scary. And when the lions roared, he roared louder. And the lions took to flight and sat in the corner, cowling all night? No, because Daniel had a great God. Isn't that what the king says? Is your God able to deliver thee? How did David defeat Goliath with a stone? Was he that good a shot? Well, he had a great God. You read all the Old Testament stories. How in the world did these men who were no different than you and I, simply flesh and blood, how did they manage to do what they managed to do? It's because they had great faith in a great God. And faith is the victory, beloved. And we have the same God. And we can have faith in that same God. And that God will give us the victory. And that's the shield of faith. You and I can go forth in the battle with that shield held out and the fiery dust of the devil, he may send discouragements our way, he may send her feelings our way, he may send all sorts of things our way. But if you and I go forth in faith, we can quench the fiery darts of the wicked one and stand with confidence. We should put all our confidence in the Lord and our faith will give us the victory. Take the shield of faith. Secondly, today, take the helmet of salvation. Look at verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation. Now, in the ancient world, this uh, was a leather cap that was studded with uh, uh, metal for extra strength. Sometimes they would put a plume on it so that they could tell which regiment they belonged to. But for the most part, it was a leather cap that was studded with metal to give them protection in the battle. It was designed to give protection for the head and particularly for that vital organ called the brain because there is a thing about if you get, <laughs> get shot in the... Get, get something to hit your brain, you know, an arrow through the head or a sword through the head or an axe, it tends to have a... tends to shorten your life a little bit. And so you, you uh, need some protection and that was what this 
helmet was all about. It was protection for the brain. And as Paul is looking at the Roman armor, he sees the Roman soldier's helmet and he says that this helmet is the helmet of salvation. Salvation is pictured as a kind of helmet protecting the head or protecting the mind. You know, a soldier would be foolish to go into battle without his helmet. And so, too, you and I would be foolish to go into battle without our helmet. Now, the helmet of salvation here could merely mean that we're saved. And that makes sense because you can't go anywhere in the battle unless you're saved. Okay, if you're unsaved, you haven't got a hope of winning this battle. But I'm not sure that's what Paul's talking about here. In fact, I'm convinced that's not what Paul's talking about here. Because what's in mind here is that we, is, uh, or rather what's, what he's doing here, he's speaking to those who already know the Savior. And what his mind is here is that those of us who know God, those of us who have been saved, those of us who know that we believed, uh, know what we believe, are protected against the wiles of the devil. In other words, because you and I are saved, and we know that, because you and I know what we believe, then we have a protection for our minds against the doubts and the worries of this world and the future. In First Thessalonians, go with me if you would please, First Thessalonians in chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Paul briefly mentions the armor again here in First Thessalonians chapter 5. In verse 8 he says this, Let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. Paul speaks here about putting on the, as a helmet the hope of salvation. And I think that's what Paul's talking about here in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17. I think he's talking about the hope that comes because of our salvation. Because you and I know that we're saved. Because you and I know who God is. Because you and I have confidence in him through faith because you and I know what we believe, then you and I can go forth with protection. Our minds are protected from the deceits of the wicked one. Remember Paul told the Corinthians that he was concerned for them, that they would be beguiled by Satan? And Paul was concerned for the Galatians, how soon they'd been taken away from the truths of the gospel. And in both books, what he encourages the believers to do is to get to know God, get to know his word, get confidence in the Lord. As you and I know the word of God, and you and I know the God of the word, and as you and I are, have confidence in our salvation, then you and I have protection from the attacks of doubts of the enemy. The enemy might send their way. We are protected. He's talking to those who are saved. Those who are already in the battle. And you know, in the midst of the battle, it's easy to have our hope dented, isn't it? It's easy to get discouraged. 
It's easy to get to the place where you wonder if it's worth it all. It's easy to get to the place where you wonder whether, you know, there's doubts come along the way. And sometimes you doubt that maybe, it's, that, you know, Christ is going to come back one day. There is always a possibility of doubts. Here in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17, he is looking to our destiny rather than our present state. I think he's talking about that hope that 1 Thessalonians 5.18 talked about. That 5.8 talked about. I think he's saying the salvation brings to you and I hope. We have a confidence in the future. You and I have hope of ultimate victory in the battle. Now that you and I are saved. And I think he's looking at the hope of the victory, not that day of salvation. You and I are already saved. He's talking to those who are born again. He's talking to those who are in the battle. And the helmet of salvation here is the helmet of hope. The helmet of ultimate salvation. The helmet of glorification, if you like. Such an hope of salvation by Christ is a defense of the head against false doctrines. You know, if you and I lose hope, if we're not sure that we're saved, if we're not sure what we believe, if we're not sure that one day Christ is coming back to take us home to glory to be with him, then you and I will lose hope in the midst of the battle and you and I will lose the battle. He's saying that, that our anticipation, our hope for the future will protect our heads in the heat and often the confusion of the battle. Now, hope here is in First Thessalonians is used in the sense of is not used in the sense of wishful thinking, but the sense of a confident expectation of God's hand in the future. Hope that he knows what's best. And hope encourages you and I to have confidence in our God. And the helmet of salvation protects you and I against discouragement, against the desire to give up, against the desire of giving, uh, giving uh, uh, into the opposition of the world and the devil. It gives you and I hope. Not only in knowing that we, will be saved, that we are saved, but that we will be glorified. Let's put it this way. If tomorrow you and I were called up to battle and the general in some way or other could guarantee us the victory, there was no way known we were going to lose. No one was going to die. No one was going to be injured. No one was going to lose the battle on our side. The victory is guaranteed 100% plan. Now, I know no general could do that, but let's say he could. How would you go in the battle? You'd be fearless, wouldn't you? If you knew you couldn't die, you'd be fearless. If you knew you couldn't lose, you'd be fearless. You'd be out there running, and the enemy would wonder what possessed you. And what possessed you was the fact that you could not lose the battle that you could not lose the war, that you and I were not going to die. That would be the hope in the midst of that battle, and that's it here. You and I have this hope of salvation. 
You and I cannot lose, beloved. You and I are on the victory side. We cannot lose. And with that confidence, with that assurance, with that, with that absolute certainty that we cannot lose, we go forth to the battle with the helmet on our heads, knowing that the victory is ours. We have nothing to fear. We have nothing to worry about. Because ultimately, you and I will stand on heaven's shore. See, you and I have read the end of the book. And you know what? We win. That's the whole point. We win. And because we're going to win, you and I can have confidence in the midst of the battle that no matter what the devil may throw at us, no matter what he may seek to get us to think in opposition to truth, if we know the truth and we have our confidence in God, shield of faith, then you and I can have the victory because we have hope. You know, Satan is after our minds. So we need our minds to be controlled by God. Pastor Kendall mentioned this this morning. No, I beseech you, Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. You may prove what is a good and acceptable perfect will of God. We are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That's this helmet of salvation. As you and I know what we believe, and you and I get to know the God of the Word, then you and I have confidence in Him. We have faith to believe the shield of faith because you and I have the breastplate, the, the girdle of truth on. We know what we believe. We have the breastplate of righteousness on. We're seeking to live what we believe. You and I are going forth with our feet show the preparation of the gospel of peace. You and I are defending and promoting what we believe. We have faith in God going forth with the shield of faith to defend us against the enemy. And you and I have the helmet of salvation. We know and we believe in God. We have confidence and hope for the future. And we go forth in the battle without any fear. Because our minds are convinced by the power of God. <coughs> if we lose hope in God, if our faith wavers, we will fall. And so we need to protect our thinking, protect our minds from the attacks of the devil. And we do that by being transformed by the renewing of our minds. To ensure that our minds' thinking is right, you and I need to increase in our understanding of the Word of God. And you and I have to realize that each part of this armor is a part of an armor. Okay? This is not individual things. This is a complete set. You get the, you know, when you, when you sign up to the Roman army, you get the whole caboodle of the armor. Okay? You don't get bits and pieces. Take your pick. What would you like? Would you like the shoes? Would you like the breastplate? Would you like a helmet? You get the lot because it's the armor. They're all connected. And that's why we keep coming back to the fact you've got to believe, you've got to know the Word of God, you've got to believe the Word of God, know the Word of God, know the God of the Word because they're all interconnected. 
Even the helmet of salvation is interconnected here. This is where you and I believe in God so much that we have hope for the future. We have confidence that the victory is ours. When we allow Christ to control our minds by the study of God's word, Satan's attacks will fail. When, we can properly, when we're properly equipped with the helmet of salvation, it's hard to be defeated. Confidence in salvation that is ours in Christ gives us certainty, gives you and I hope in this life and the life to come. And the truth is there's many casualties in the battle because Christians fail to put on the helmet of salvation. They fail to protect their minds from the garbage of this world. And fail to protect their minds from the false doctrines that are taught. Supposedly under the guise of Christianity, they don't check things by the word of God and they allow themselves to get so uh, confused and so sidetracked by the world and by false teaching that they have no confidence in their God. They don't know God's word. They don't know the promises of salvation. And therefore, they get discouraged in the battle and they're defeated. That's true. We suffer setbacks in our attempt to live the Christian life. Look, look what the Apostle Paul had to say about this. Go back with me just quickly to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And verse 8. This is the Paul talking. He says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Christ might be made manifest in our body. He went through some real serious opposition. Things were troubling. Things were hard. But he wasn't defeated. These momentary setbacks are not the end. Therefore, we're not to lose heart, because if you go down to the rest of the chapter, go down to verse 16, please. We read this. For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. And then I love this. Paul's just talked about the fact that he has got, he's troubled on every side, he's perplexed, he's persecuted, he's forsaken and cast down. And he says then, he says, for our light affliction which is but for a moment, worketh for a far more eternal, exceeding and, uh, uh, and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Paul says, listen, we go through all this and we don't faint because um, we're renewed in the inner man. If we think of it as purely physical, we'd get discouraged. I mean, there's much to be discouraged about in this whole world, isn't there? We live in terrible times. And there is no doubt that our world is a mess and our country's a mess. And if you and I spend our time just thinking about that, we'll get discouraged. But he says the problem is he doesn't get it says, though it's not that our outward man perish, but yet the inward man is renewed day by day. We need to have the inward man renewed by the renewing of the word of God. We need to have our 
transformed by the renewing of the word. We need to become more like him. And then you and I will find that the light affliction which, that we go through is but for a moment. And even that affliction worketh a far more uh, exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Why? Because we're looking for the future. We're looking to glory. We're just passing through, folks. This world is not our own. We're just pilgrims passing through. We're heading to a greater uh, place. We're heading to glory. And it's that salvation, that hope, that salvation brings to you and I, that gives you and I confidence in this wicked world. When we fix our eyes on the Lord, they're not fixed on what is seen, but what is unseen. We look beyond the world. We look unto Christ and know that no matter what may happen, the future is secure. Our salvation brings with it hope for today and glory for tomorrow. You know, at times the battle presses around the Christian so furiously that they hardly knows where he is or what is happening. The truth is, it doesn't matter what that we whether we or not we know what's where we are or know what is happening. But you and I need to remember that the great commander in chief, the Lord Jesus Christ, knows our struggles and has guaranteed us the victory. The world may seem like it's out of control, but he's not lost control. The victory is assured. The future is guaranteed. We will win in the end. If we're saved, victory is guaranteed. There's one more piece of Ireland to go. That's the sword. And Lord willing, we'll see that next week. We've seen in this armor that there is a belt, a breastplate, shoes, a shield, and a helmet. And each part is connected to the faith. It's connected to our God, connected to what we believe about God and what we believe about his word. It's connected to our doctrinal truths. It's connected to the faith. And each part is vital for Satan seeks to devour us. You and I are engaged, remember, in hand-to-hand combat. And as we seek to live for Christ, it's vital that we put on the whole armor of God, that we may know what we believe, we may have confidence in God for the victory. We need to take the shield of faith, for it's faith that overcomes the world. It's faith that gives the victory. We need to have the helmet of salvation. We need to have confidence that we will win because Christ says so. And so, beloved, by God's help, let's ensure that each piece of armor is in place. And let's go forth with confidence to the battle, knowing that the victory is guaranteed. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father God, for the gospel armor. Thank you, Father, that you have given it to us. And Lord, it's not some spiritual mind games of putting it on, but just a reality, Father God, that we have a great God. And that when our confidence is in you, that when we are 
faith in you, we can overcome the world. We have the victory. And that our faith gives us confidence for the future. And therefore, it's important that we know what we believe and why we believe it. And that we know you. We thank you, Father God, for this day, for your word. Bless to our hearts, we pray. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing in closing. What else? But faith is the victory. 402, faith is the victory. Pastor Kendall's going to come and lead us in the singing of.